Once upon a time, the leading narrative in social media marketing was that TV is dead and it was out with the old and in with the new. Of course, we know that isn't the case. And now social media's integration into a brand's wider marketing mix is where the magic really happens. One brand that's the poster child for this argument is Weetabix, whose head of marketing, Gareth Turner, is joining us today. And before Weetabix, Gareth spent seven years in senior positions at Arla Foods. Now, in this episode, he walks us through the role of social media for a traditional advertiser. Yeah, Gareth's had some huge success wherever he's been, really. And and now at Weetabix, I think the biggest and most well-known campaign he's worked on was Beans on Bix, uh, which we will go into in more detail on this pod because it it was just a ridiculous, uh, ridiculous campaign that drew in huge numbers, I think over a billion views. So stay tuned for that one and more, including what heritage brands need to do to stay relevant using modern channels how Weetabix has increased its spontaneous brand awareness by over 40%, and why creating ease is actually really difficult. Well, Gareth, welcome to Social Minds. Thanks for joining us. As our listeners know, every week we'll start off with our overarching question, and this week that is, what objective should social media campaigns have for a traditional advertiser? Blimey, start, start with a big one, Eve. Thank you, thank you for that. We always that. do, we always do. <laughs> um, I know it's a rubbish answer. It depends. That's what I'm going to say. It depends. I think I think most brands are, are looking for growth. And so you know, making a brand easy to think of is part of making growth happen, right? So for me, the overarching objective for social media should be to be part of a broader media plan to make your brand more salient, to make it more make it spring to mind, make it be brought to mind much more readily than it, than it was, it would be otherwise. So certainly for us, we're, I mean, we're a traditional advertiser at Weetabix and we layer on social media on top of our uh, more traditional mm. uh, advertising bedrock of TV. But for us, social media was about driving or introducing social media was about driving relevance and making our brand more relevant, combine that with our scale awareness. We've got great awareness. Combine those two things together makes you spring to mind uh, more readily. And and with the fragmentation of, of different media, uh, you know, back in the day when I was growing up, you had three channels, right? And everyone watched the channels, uh, those three channels. You watched it when you were told to watch it, basically. With a fragmentation of media, then you have to be present on, on other channels where different audiences are viewing and, and watching watching film. And so um, mm. So we have to we have to be there. We have to be on social media, and we have to be doing stuff in a way that's relevant for that channel. Yeah, definitely. I think growth and penetration are two sort of really key points there. And I want to go into that layering point that you made just then a bit more because you know, we've spoken about this previously. And it's Mark Ritson who said that it's three media channels that's the optimum for any campaign. Now, what has that theory looked like in practice for Weetabix, where that mix of social and traditional has actually proven more fruitful than doing one or the other? Uh, so if you rewind two and a half, three, well, probably three years or so uh, at, at Weetabix, the vast majority of what we were doing was in TV. We had, and still have, we had and have a world-class return on investment for our TV. So why would you look anywhere else, right? Why, why would you look beyond a TV? And there's nothing wrong with TV. It's not, it's not broken for the vast majority. That's how you get scale awareness. But I, I think I saw some, some analysis uh, recently. I think there was uh, uh, some Enders analysis, which shows the continued fragmentation of media, which is coming at the expense of 
linear TV and unsurprisingly, especially for younger audiences. So you have to layer on different media channels. You could layer on radio or broadcast a video on demand or social media or online video, whatever it, whatever it is, um, to layer on and improve your relevance and improve your reach at a fairly cost-effective way, in a fairly cost-effective way, to, to reach as many of the um, the full audience as possible, people who are light or zero TV viewers. So we, we approach that with a test and learn mentality. Uh, we start with TV and then we say TV plus something else. Does that work better for us than just TV on its own? Okay, yes, it does. Right. So TV plus that one and that one. Does that work better for us than, than that one? Okay, yes, it does. What about adding this one? In? No, it doesn't. Okay, take that back out again. What about this one? And so we're, we're slowly um, evolving based on data, based on, on the evidence on return on investment to help us find the right mix of channels for the right, the right comms. We have a 70-20-10 approach. We have that Weetabix. I had it when I was at Isle of Foods before this. We had 70% of our media spend is spent on tried and tested stuff that we know is going to deliver, delivers time and time again, like TV for us. We have 20% of our spend is on things which maybe are slightly unproven, which we still think would work, which have been working elsewhere, but maybe we haven't proved it at uh, Weetabix. And then we have 10% on stuff that's a bit more out there, a bit more um, experimental for us. So by using that, that split of media uh, spending, uh, we, we can layer on new media types uh, and we have budget allocated to doing exactly that. Yeah, I really like that breakdown, actually, that 70-20-10. I find it interesting that you, you've got that 10% in there purely for a reason that, you know, Weetabix is absolutely massive, right? Over a thousand employees, staple household brand, everyone knows Weetabix. So when companies grow to that size, I think most typically have the same problem that they start saying no to things that they either did say yes to or they should still say yes to. That's just down to kind of the approval processes, you know, how many people it has to go through or risk aversion or just simply trying something new. So that 10% is really interesting to me. So what's what's the attitude amongst Weetabix's marketing team there? Has it changed over the years as the brand has grown to kind of push that? Maybe it was 5% to a 10%? Well, it's been 10% ever since I joined. Uh, so, and, and it was 10% at other businesses that I've worked in, as, as I said. What has changed, we have worked very hard in the marketing department to develop a, a bolder approach to marketing, to do marketing properly, as I said, you know, to test and learn and to embed and be data-driven, but also to have a, a bolder approach to marketing in our creative and our media choices. So we've done that in, in a few ways. We've done that by trying to create a, a safer space for the brave stuff to happen. So a few sort of nuggets that we've, we've done. We have, we've tried to use a yes-if approach. So when, when we did the beans on Bix thing, right, we might talk about that later. Right? <laughs> um, but uh, um, I, I reckon I'm going to coin a phrase, dine out on that for the next 20 years, right? That's <laughs> yeah. a once in a, it's a once in a career, uh, career yeah. uh, thing. Yeah. Um, all thanks, tip of the hat to my uh, Elaine, the assistant brand manager in the team for that. But the agency and the brand team would come to us and say, what about this as an idea? We say, well, yes, we can do that if if it doesn't look too disgusting, if we've got the engagement with the other brands, if we think they're going to respond to us, if we can pre-prepare some responses, etc. So we have a yes-if approach. It's less motivating to say, well, no, because. Um, the same outcome, yes, we can do that if we uh, can show it doesn't look dis- disgusting. Yeah, I like that. Um, it would be easy to say, well, no, we won't do that because I don't think it, we, it will look nice. One is 
one just crushes you. Uh, if you no one's bringing you an idea they think is rubbish, people are bringing you an idea because they've invested in it themselves. So uh, one would crush that idea and makes people less likely to bring stuff to you in the future. Another one emboldens people and gives a coaching opportunity. And sometimes that idea won't work. And sometimes the if, if you can show me, it will go down the, the production lines, for example, for a new product. Well, okay, that person might go away and find it can't go down the production line. Mm-hmm. And then they've learned something yeah. from themselves rather than me say, no, 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 that will, that will never happen. That will never go down. That so, if is like problem solving as well, isn't it? Because you're already identifying what would hold that plan back yeah. and it's something you can fix to like actually make it go ahead. We, we also talk about uh, what's the worst that could happen. So in, in that, again, in that Beans on Bix uh, tweet, you know, what really, what's the worst thing that could happen there? Well, it's not that. It's very Dr. Pepper. Not, <laughs> yeah, channeling <laughs> other brands. That's what we do. Um, steal other brand ideas. But really, the, the worst isn't that bad. So there's no, there's, there's no um, legal implications for that. There's no, no one's going to jail. There's no, that's, the, the WeSpeaks business isn't going to fall to its knees because we did that one tweet. But it, 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 might, just, it might just kick off. And the, the other thing we've done, is work to try and create some frameworks for people to work within, to give them the, to coin a phrase, freedom within a framework. So that is around uh, giving our team some legal training to say what is within our free, our framework of, of sign off, what's in our accountability, our authority to sign off, what would need to go to a legal team, what would need to go to a food regulatory team. So we've we've created these frameworks so people do feel trained and emboldened and encouraged and coached and all these things that. Uh, make Weetabix marketing department, I hope, a safe place for people to have ideas where the bold seems less scary. Our job as leaders is to make people um, empowered and enthused and encouraged and supported and all these things to to have great ideas. That's that's what we're paid to do. Yeah, love that. And that even that framework before that you mentioned the, the kind of the yes if approach. You know, even just like kind of the psychology of that is positive rather than negative. It's like using a however instead of a but or a, you know, a thanks for your patience yeah. rather than a sorry for the, you know, just that little inflection um, can really, really help there. I really like that. And, you know, it can reflect in sort of like a brand ethos there. So I think you've said, you know, Weetabix needs to be easy to think of, easy to buy, easy to eat. I love East, by the way, so it's perfect for me. <laughs> but every every step of that journey there should be focused on East. So, so what actions have your team taken since you've headed up um, the team there, and and how do you make those things happen so easily? I guess. Let's be honest. We're, all everyone appears on your podcast is uh, is giving you a slightly curated view of uh, of what's going on, right? It's uh, it's it's um, it's a simplified version. It's never easy, and it's always far more complicated than the short version that I'm giving here. I suppose we, we've spoken about some of the things we've done to make the brand feel more relevant for people. So we have, you, you said um, we've got a, a strong awareness. We have a 97% prompted awareness. Crazy. I think 3% are lying. It's, uh, everyone's heard of Weetabix, right? <laughs> everyone's heard of Weetabix. Yeah. But our, our, our spontaneous awareness wasn't at that level. So we had to make it spring to mind more easily. So that's that's why we did things like be bolder in, in some of the comms and, and use different different media channels. That's the first thing we did. We then, the, the making it easier to buy, uh, easier to find in store and easier to buy, that was a big focus for us. So we've uh, done a, a big partnership with uh, the football associations of England, Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. And what that did was um, certainly last year, and we will continue again into this year, unlocked feature and display space. So we had Raheem Sterling and and, uh, and Harry Kane on the front of 
front of pack. I was Marcus Rashford, actually, I think, on, and uh, uh, and Harry Kane on the front of pack, uh, where you could win epic prizes. You could win training sessions uh, with the team to go and watch the training sessions of the England team. You could win tickets, signed shirts. These are, are big prizes that don't often come from a serial company that unlocks feature space and visibility in store. So you combine all these things together. You're making the products spring to mind with bolder media choices, with bolder communication. And then when the people are going into store and online, you know, I'm sort of using store as a physical store as a shortcut, really, but you know, online, in online retailers, um, like Tesco.com, Sainsbury's.com, et cetera, and in store, we unlocked the feature and display, which then converts well to sale. So we see we see our penetration increase when we're doing work with the football associations, when we've unlocked that feature and display, because that's making it easier to buy. So it's not it sounds very simple, easy to think of, easy to buy, easy to eat. But finding the hook to make it easier to buy isn't simple. Find the work that goes on in the background to to get great activation, to get unlock the feature space. The commercial team's done an incredible job to to get that space. That's that's not easy, but it it looks easy when it's when it's all out there. And what of easy to eat? <laughs> Can you help that at all? Um, well, we make with recipe inspiration. So yeah. that whole beans on bix thing was a, a pretty big. It was one point three billion views. Right, there's pr- pretty, pretty big, yeah, that's pretty one big, way to put yeah. It. Um, big day for for the team <laughs> that day, ninth <laughs> of February. Um, it was just the latest thing we did, the latest execution in a whole long list of of ways of trying to inspire people to eat um, wheat bix in different ways. So we have. Our above the line is is we have an equity strand of advertising, which the latest advert is the submarine advert. We've had one about Jack and the Beanstalk in the past. We have a another strand of advertising which we call any which way abix, and that's just showing people sort of top down views of different crazy crazy ways of, of eating your breakfast, eating wheat abix with different fruit combinations or yogurt or milk or hot milk even or all these kind of all these kind of things. Just showing people that it's a an incredible healthy nutritious canvas for having a tasty breakfast so um, and we did a recipe book in store so we got we got shoppers to send in their, their favorite Weetabix recipes we then put those into a recipe book put those out and uh, you know, they that got a lot of traction one of the one of the recipes was a Weetabix coated like a breaded instead of breaded chicken a, a Weetabix coated sort of fried chicken and that got a lot of traction that made it into the newspapers and that got us thinking about well what are some other weird and wonderful ways you could eat wheat bix which led to led to some beans on bix yeah well it's certainly working in terms of like surprise and delight people and that's it. it's about inspiring i'd imagine especially with a product that's been around for so long you do want to you know keep it fresh and keep it exciting but i mean it, it is time let's talk about beans on bix as, especially as it pertains to i know the change in brand comms that weetabix has been doing especially since you joined the team um so what is weetabix's strategy when it comes to reactive social pieces like beans on bix i mean the reality is that we weren't reacting it was uh, we were instigating, right? So strategic reaction, so, yeah. We hear that a lot. Yeah, it's a thing. planned spontaneity. Uh, so planned reactive. Uh, mm. We had we had a whole week planned out that day. So as I've said it, it. It was just one iteration, one execution in a whole long line of recipe um, serving inspiration, right? So that is part of a long term strategy. We, in terms of making it happen, we had a week of activity planned. The, the Monday was uh, was Marmite. On Weetabix, uh, the Tuesday was 
beans on bix then we had three others we had cathedral city cheddar we had innocent smoothies and we had pip and nut um peanut butter now i thought the marmite one was the one right it's obvious of course that one's going to be the big one but it transpired it wasn't okay who knew who knew <laughs> this thing was going to blow up in the way it did on that on that um tuesday but we had um, engaged with all the the brand owners we spoke to them said look we're thinking of doing this stuff are you up for that yes we are what are you going to reply? Okay, well, we'll have a think about that. And they come back and say, okay, we're going to rule. This is how we'll reply to to your your post on that day. And say, okay, great. This is how we're going to reply. So it was pretty planned. We also had a, a bank of pre-approved planned responses if if it started to kick off, which was for the week. And then once it did start kicking off, uh, we went we went dipped into our bank of pre-approved responses. We flexed them a little bit and we had a bit of fun with them and. It just got it got bigger and bigger. I think there was over six hundred brands joined into that that pile on, and we had to prioritise the ones that had the biggest reach. So we started off by just just engaging with everyone, and that became became pretty obvious pretty quickly that that was going to be too much work for anyone. So we uh, we focused on the ones who had the biggest reach, and that fanned the flames even further. People were were delighted that we were getting involved, and and brands. Mm-hmm. So it was no, brands. Definitely. The other brands were the the spontaneous ones. I don't think we were that spontaneous. It may have appeared that way, but the reality is it's, it's not very exciting. The reality is a load of planning went into it. Yeah, I mean, I honestly think that's the mark of a really successful reactive piece or reactive campaign is when I think we all know that most of it's planned and most of this even like back and forth between brands has to be pre-approved between both teams. And then you might have, you know, various account managers, legal teams for it to be pulled off and succeed to such an extent, um, you know, being such a big feat, I think makes it even more impressive and probably I think gives some helpful insight to any, you know, brands listening who might think that it was completely spontaneous. And I think, you know, helps to sort of see what goes into it. But, you know, it's more than just beans on bigs for you guys when it comes back to this uh, reactive social, because I remember seeing things like the uh, when hairdressers opened again after lockdown, uh, you guys were on that. And uh, when obviously Boris Johnson became PM, uh, you were in there again. I mean, but since starting this approach to social, have you found that it has helped then um, to meet that goal to stay relevant with consumers um, in a tangible way? Well, you have to tell me. I think uh, I, I think it has. Um, but both. Yeah, I mean, you're still doing it, so that's a good sign. <laughs> there's some clues, right? But I mean, both those examples were probably months, maybe weeks in the making. So that we, mm. the, the Boris Johnson example you gave, the moment we knew the last two candidates were men, boom, we're in, right? We we we, we had the, we we wait for his or hers. He's going to need his way to speak. Mm. She's going to need her way to speak. The moment we knew that, we could book the media. So it was um, that was a relatively straight straightforward, and that was a. That and the hairdresser one were both um, proactive approaches from BBH, our, our above the line agency. So, what I I don't always say yes to these things, right? Um, uh, yes, yes, yeah. I know. I've just I've made it wrong from my own back, haven't <laughs> yeah. I? But um, yes, 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 yes. You'll do it for free. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, there's always there's always stuff that comes up. It's, it's yeah. not always a yes, if. But I'd like to believe that as a department, we've created an environment where people are bringing stuff to us and that sometimes we do say yes to these things but sometimes they we don't have the budget sometimes we don't agree with it sometimes we don't think it's on brand there's there's many reasons to not do these things but sometimes mm. we hit the jackpot but i think is it working well, i think i think it is because i talked about um you know our, our uh, prompted awareness was already very high at what 97 96 97% our yeah. spontaneous awareness since we've had this approach our spontaneous awareness has grown by 40% Mm, yeah yeah i read that actually got that stat and that's in combination with your high frequency tv comms as well 
It's an impressive yeah, increase. Uh, yeah, blimey, I, I mean, I've, I've never seen anything like that in a career. It's 40%, not 40 percentage points, but still a 40% mm -hmm. growth in, in a year or so. That's that's good going. So there's still still more work to do. We gradually get more granular. We're looking at different cohorts, different tribes of shoppers and consumers, and how can we be a bit more um, bespoke, a bit more tailored for different different messages for different people. So we're still working on that, but we're doing all right. The thing is really, you know, you can't market a bad product, right? So if the product is good, obviously you can do all this good work on top of it. And, and you you obviously are doing brilliant work, but you need the good product to, to start with. And I don't think that's ever been in question. How I mean, how long have Weetabix been around for? Do we know? Over a hundred, surely? No, oh, not quite. Close, very close there. 1932. It's our 90th anniversary this year. Right. 90. I tell you, I'll be keeping eyes open for that. And I'm sure you've got something up your sleeve there. <laughs> but yeah, so has that been planned already? There's a question. Are you already planning that? Have you got a little birthday party lined up? Uh, I'm not going to tell you that. Um, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, for, for people listening audio only, Gareth is currently tapping his nose. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, watch this space, right? There, might, there may be some stuff. Who, who knows? There we go. As an exclusive. Anyway, so where I was going with that anyway, about the, not, you know, you can't market a bad product. So just looking at the marketing strategy as a whole, how does it work together and how do you fit like, does is there a thread that fits in across everything? So in-store activation, product, packaging, is it one thing that ties everything together here? I, I, I'll keep coming up with these ridiculous catchphrases, right? I can only apologise for this. <laughs> Another one of my things, right, is about coming for the product and staying for the brand. Coming for the project, sorry, and staying for the brand. So whether that's in-store activation or NPD or a, I don't know, a TV ad, whatever it is, whatever your project is, you come into it and everything needs to be consistent i think people who are best in class is are people like spec savers everything they do is linked together our organizing thought we call it the weetabix advantage and this idea is that you know when you when you have a good breakfast when you have a nutritious healthy filling breakfast and weetabix is definitely that you're set up for the day and when you're set up for the day you can take on anything that life throws at you. And you think of our advertising, the majority of our, our equity advertising, the submarine advert is a little girl who catches a submarine when she's out fishing with her with her mum. And that's that's a depiction of the Weetabix advantage for us. You know, she she did uh, some a feat of hyperbole, this sort of ridiculous strength. She it looks like she demonstrated uh, in reeling in a, in a submarine. The any which way Bix advertising is showing you there are so many ways of having a nutritious breakfast. The uh, FA packaging promotion that we've done on pack promotion is about unlocking amazing things through Weetabix. This this idea of when you're well nourished, anything can happen. Well, that's so that's the that's the unifying thought. And yeah, we could always do a bit better, but uh, I think we do pretty well on uh, on using that creative idea to to strategically integrate our work. I think this point as well about keeping everything consistent across like every single customer touch point is becoming so much more important, especially in recent years when it comes down to social, which has been sort of sat in a silo for so long. And now I think it's finally being treated as part of the wider mix, which I think obviously makes things so much more effective. Um, but one thing that hasn't stayed consistent, and I'll say has changed a little bit for the good, is your brand tone of voice. And I wouldn't be me if I didn't bring it up at all. Um, so together with your agency, you described it as a word and a wink, which I love, um, especially, you know, when something of importance is happening in British life, like we've seen with uh, Boris Johnson, etc. So for a brand that's been around since, what did you say, 1932? Yep. 1932, what challenges did you face changing that tone of voice and giving it a new personality um, after it's been around for so long? 
but I'm not sure we have changed it. We've not deliberately tried to change it too much uh, in the last five or 10 years. I think we've been a bit bolder, perhaps. Um, but the the idea of a knowing nod and a, a someone someone who's a friendly face we're not we're not paddy power here we're not we're not trying to be provocative we want to be we want to commentate comment on things that are going on in the world like the boris johnson is a, is a good example we didn't actually talk about boris johnson we said whoever's coming in this man who's coming into number 10 is going to need to have had their weetabix that's all we said that person's mm-hmm. got a hard job ahead of them we weren't showing any support for that person we weren't showing any political allegiance we're just saying a prime minister has got a tough job that's all and blimey who knew who knew what was what, yeah. was, uh, yeah. what was coming up so i think that's a friendly warm tone it's um we talk about it almost sitting like you're sitting on the sofa with your family just talking about what's on the tv that's that's the sort of tone mm-hmm. of voice there's a there's an authority to it there's a, a gravitas to it it's a very difficult thing to define a tone of voice uh, we try and be as consistent as we can and and we try and make all of our all of our advertising feel on brand, on tone. But more often than not, you just it's just a gut feeling, right? You you see it, you go, yeah, yeah, it, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't feel right. And then we go back to our brand book and we we look at the tone of voice page and okay, okay, yeah, it probably doesn't feel warm enough, or it feels like we're we're pointing a finger at so and so, or we're having we're we're taking the mick out of that person. Now that doesn't feel very on brand. Mm. It doesn't feel very very supportive and and um and cuddly. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think it's a challenge a lot of brands face trying to sort of differentiate themselves, especially on platforms like Twitter, where there is a very sort of commonly accepted tone, I think, from a lot of brands and that have all sort of taken inspo, I guess, from the likes of Innocent Smoothies and kind of blended together. And I think it's one thing a lot of brands uh, find difficult is making sure you can still recognise it as, you know, Weetabix or whoever else. Totally agree. You have to be true to yourself, whether it's it's you, Eve, writing on LinkedIn or whether it's uh, a brand on on uh, on twitter or on your advertising you just you need to be true to that brand and not try and be something else to other people and just yeah if people want to come for that project when they come for that project and they like what they experience then if you're being true to your brand if you're being consistent across all your touch points then hopefully they might stay and and try a different product or mpd or or maybe buy your brand a bit more often so we've got we've got time for one more question, Gareth. And what we always like to do is obviously try and give some of your hints or tips. And what what do you think is the most important thing for heritage brands to remember when trying to reinvent or just slightly, you know, change their comms a little bit towards modern audiences? You know, obviously it's a it's a monumental challenge to try and change something that's been around for ninety years, but it does need to be undertaken to stay relevant, right? So what 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 do you suggest there? How how's best to go about it? I think we've tried to be as true as we can to our historic reel of advertising and the traditional um, tone of voice that we've had. But what we've tried to do is to execute that in new channels. So the big transformation for us yeah. was was unlocking, again, doing little quotey marks, the new uh, communications channels, new media channels for us on Twitter, on radio, on on all these different channels that we're we're layering onto TV. But by doing that in a consistent way, that then builds our relevance and builds our awareness and i say that that for me was the has been the big transformation is making our product easy to think of by transforming the way through media choices our spontaneous awareness and making it easy to buy by signing a very exciting deal with all the football associations of of the uk and ireland to make the product easy 
to buy to unlock that space in store and it, it again as un, as unglamorous as it as it sounds that's just basic marketing make your brand easy to think of and make your brand easy to buy so that would be the the advice if i was allowed to give advice to anyone would be just to think about how you can do that even better for a legacy brand the the there are fewer quick wins for legacy brands because you most of the time you've tried these things before at some point in your past but just keep pushing and keep looking for those opportunities because that's and trying something different trying in that 10 percent i talked about uh, yeah. a long time ago now mm-hmm. but looking to try something different that no one else has tried because you never know you might unlock something that is transformational I think that seems like a great place to end it on. And I will say, Gareth, thank you again for speaking to us today. Hopefully this episode has done something for your salience and everyone's going to go away and buy a box of Weetabix now. One can only hope. 3%. Yeah. <laughs> the liars. <laughs> thank you for having me. It's great. Well, you can tell Gareth had his Weetabix for breakfast this morning. He was on great form. And actually, I want to start with our conclusion a little bit differently here, not looking at one of his main points. Actually, just the small tweak in language that he mentioned that I thought was really nice. So the yes, if instead of the no, because. Now, I'm really big on sort of psychology and um, kind of how people operate in the workplace. And I think this has translated into Weetabix's marketing comms in general. It just seems to me like they are obviously a heritage brand, but they're they're experimenting with loads of new channels and it's because they're saying yes to things that other brands aren't saying yes to. Definitely. Attitude is so crucial, I think. And obviously Weetabix has been wise enough to onboard the help of specialist agencies, etc., to get these ideas over the line. But even that can you know, present red tape, you can still come across that red tape if the in-house team isn't prepared to let them try. Um, And I think a lot of heritage brands want to, you know, try and reinvent themselves a bit, stay relevant with modern audiences. But Weetabix is one of the few that's not only pulling it off, but executing it flawlessly. Um, And it just goes to show, like Carl said, those internal changes and small tweaks can um, can really go a long way. I know he said uh, a few times in this episode that they haven't undergone this massive transformation. It's about little changes over time and in as many different touch points as possible that can make the biggest difference. Yeah, I'd argue transformation maybe not the, quite the right word as Gareth mentioned, but I think if Gareth took a long lens on that and saw how the brand's grown using... Yeah, uh, plan modern, out. Exactly, yeah. using... Because he'll be he'll be setting these things up daily and, and I kind of go long lens on it. I think there will be a transformation in um, how they've managed to stay relevant constantly mm-hmm. with... Let's be honest, you know, I've, I want to say mundane products, but, you know, it's, it's a breakfast cereal, essentially. It's yeah. not like all bells and whistles, but I really like the way they go about their business. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, Gareth is obviously so knowledgeable, but I think he's, he's very clear in what he wants to do and he speaks with clarity as well. Yeah, I think his narrative is such an important one as well, not only demonstrating the fact that social and traditional media are not enemies, but also that an advertiser who sees such success on TV um, has actually found a way to still make social media work for them too. Mm. Um, so it's really not one or the other. They haven't said, well, you know, we do amazing on TV, so let's leave it at that. They're still pushing the boat out, you know, saying, you know, we're already succeeding, but how can we succeed even more? Um, yeah, by just being so accepting towards modern ideas. Yeah, I think what helps them with that is is that really wide brand messaging that I mentioned, you know, that kind of... that. Weetabix sets you up for the day yeah. think about the creative area you can go with that yeah. you can literally go anywhere yeah <laughs> like if you were set up for the day then what can you achieve you yeah. know you've got literally 
creative freedom, creative license to do whatever you want. So that Weetabix advantage angle is really, really clever. Definitely. Having that sort of creative prompt that underpins everything you mm-hmm. do, if you keep it quite broad, but also quite specific, with the scope to do a lot, but there's no sort of umming and ahhing about what exactly it means. That's how you create this sort of message that lives everywhere, but isn't going to run out of ideas in like a year, two years time. <laughs>